Well, good morning, new friends. Those of you here in person and joining us online, again, what a joy it is to be home with each of you here at Trinity. When Catherine, Steve, and I first started talking about my first preaching moment, Catherine said, you can preach on anything you want. And I think the words that might have fallen from my lips were, really? Are you sure? You will quickly come to find that I am a big fan of the Old Testament. As a self-proclaimed bookworm, I love that I can find just about every genre within its bounds. There's mystery, there's action and adventure, there's love and romance, there's history and poetry. Whatever you're feeling, I believe you could probably find it in the Old Testament. And so now it comes as no surprise to you that this morning I wanted to share a story from the Old Testament, particularly the call story of Isaiah. It's a story that resonates deep in my bones and that has carried me through every season, every twist and turn of the wild journey that has led me here to you. It's a story that sets our imagination free to run rampant and create an experience that is wholly unique to us and to God. So as we read this story together this morning, I invite you to enter into that experience by closing your eyes if you feel comfortable and allowing your mind to imagine the images that God plays before you. So find a comfortable position, close your eyes, and join Isaiah's vision as we read together from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called. And the house filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraphs touched my mouth with it and said, now this, now that this has touched your lips, your, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. 
My friends, this is the word of God given to us as the children of God, and we all say, thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, thank you for meeting us in this place and for the gift of imagination that enhances our experience of you. May your spirit fall afresh on us this morning so that we we might hear all you have to say to us this day. In the name of your son, Jesus, we say, amen. So when I first heard this story, I was sitting on the floor of a sixth grade Sunday school class at First United Methodist Church of Lakeland, Florida. And I heard it and imagined it in much the same way that we imagined it together this morning. It was only my second time attending this church with my next door neighbor. And I knew from that very moment, that brand new experience of scripture, that I wanted more, I needed more. Like many readers of this story, my mind and spirit focused on the Isaiah we encountered at the end of the story. I wanted to be like Isaiah, that bold and courageous man, the kind of person to say yes and to jump into any activity, any opportunity that was open to me. So that was what I did. I jumped in with both feet into every opportunity that was made available to me at First Lakeland. I asked my neighbor's mom if I could join them in coming to youth group that night. And the second that I walked through the sliding doors of the F1 building, the only answer to escape my lips was yes. And so I signed up for everything under the sun, confirmation, youth choir, youth praise band, youth council, you name it, I probably signed up for it if I was able to. And I found that with every yes, another door opened for me. Another piece of who I was clicked into place. I loved being at church. I loved taking a part of the leadership of the youth group that became my safe place. I loved being the yes, send me version of myself. So much so that I put those very words on my foot permanently to remind me that I am a yes person and saying yes is part of who I am. And yet, I felt like I was missing something. I had said yes to God. I walked through any and every door made available to me. And yet, I was missing something. I have a bit of a confession to make. Sometimes I am one of those readers that like to read the ending of a book before I begin it and sometimes before I even purchase the book just to make sure that I am going to be left feeling the way that I want to feel, excited and uplifted and happy and not angry and disappointed and a little annoyed that I was left on a cliffhanger. 
Sometimes I, I feel like we do this with Isaiah's call story. We jump straight to the end and focus on and remember the transformed man that feels empowered and bold to stand up and say, here am I, send me. And we forget the character that we encounter at the beginning of the story. But friends, by focusing on the end, I'm afraid that we miss the fruitfulness to be found in Isaiah's journey. By focusing on the end, I believe we may even miss our place within that story. When we are introduced to Isaiah, he had already had several visions that he recounted and recorded for us. He was used to hearing God speak to him and give him images of what will come for God's people. But this experience that we just imagined for ourselves this morning, this experience was something completely different. It was brand new for Isaiah. Could you imagine what it might have felt like for Isaiah to have consciously awoken in the midst of that vision? I wonder if he may have taken a moment to look at his hands and his feet and maybe pat his body just to make sure he was okay and to get a sense of where he was and what he was doing in that moment. And I don't know about you, but if I woke up in that state, I think I would be very, very frightened and a little bit shaky and not quite sure what to do with myself. But he finds himself in a temple, a place where he was probably really comfortable being. However, this time looked a little bit different. Immediately, he sees God sitting on a throne up at the far end of the temple, high and lofty with this beautiful robe cascading down. And then he looks up. And he sees these weird looking winged creatures whose face were covered and their feet were covered and they were flying in a sort of dance, calling out and singing to one another this song of holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And at this point, my mind's eye sees Isaiah as a sort of old school uh, cartoon character who freezes, looks around, and starts taking tiny steps back and literally saying, woe is me, I am lost, I do not belong here. For Isaiah, though he had heard God's voice and seen the images God had given to him before, he had never participated physically in the vision for himself. He had never been invited into a deeper experience of God's presence, let alone actually see God's face. So he was scared. He was scared and he started listing the reasons why he was 
unworthy and unqualified to even be invited into this place. I am a man of unclean lips. I am from a people of unclean lips. I do not belong here. We may have laughed of that silly representation of Isaiah's fear, but I believe that we have all found ourselves in this place at one time or another, have we not? We have all stood at the threshold of something new. Maybe it's a new promotion at work or added responsibilities or a new job altogether. Maybe it was even an invitation to serve in a new and different way here at Trinity. Or maybe it was simply figuring out what life would look like after the pandemic. Whatever the experience might have been for you, I believe we indeed all know what it feels like to be invited to take that next step through a doorway that leads to somewhere unknown and felt unworthy and felt unqualified or unprepared for what awaits on the other side of that doorway. So we think of all the reasons to say no and to shuffle backward into where we are more comfortable and what is more familiar to us. You see, Isaiah wasn't always the bold and confident yes man that we read at the end of the story. Before Isaiah said yes, he said no. I do not belong here. This is not for me. So what changed for Isaiah? How did he go from saying no to saying yes? From nope, don't sign me up for that to here am I, send me. In the fall of 2014, I was in my second year of college at the University of North Florida in Jacksonville, not too far up the road from here. And at that time, I knew that I was called to some kind of church ministry, but I wasn't quite sure what that looked like yet. So I took a page out of the confident and bold Isaiah's book and did what I always did and said yes to everything. And you know what they say about saying yes to everything? Every single opportunity is that you end up not doing any one thing well. No matter how hard I tried, I never seemed to fully grasp that concept. And so by the end of the semester, I had hit my breaking point, my very lowest point that I had faced yet in my lifetime. I had taken on so much that I could not do any of it well at all. And so I had dropped two of the six classes I decided to take. I was fired from a barista job and I stopped attending my campus ministry leadership meetings because I just wasn't motivated anymore. 
I felt like such a failure. And in that moment, I honestly did not believe that God would want me for anything anymore. And it was there in the lowest point of my life when I received a phone call from Beth Fogemiller. He was the pastor of Memorial United Methodist Church at the time. And she invited me to be the interim youth director there. And for the first time in my life, I didn't say an immediate yes. Instead, I said something to the effect of, Beth, you know I'm only 20, right? And I was just fired from my last job. I don't think I would be a good fit and I don't believe I should be in a position like that. I felt wholly unqualified, wholly unprepared, and scared out of my mind about having to be responsible for an entire youth group when I could barely manage to be responsible for myself. But rather than turn me away, Beth said something that I will always remember. She said, age is just a number. Yeah. And your experiences make you who you are. I am willing to give it a shot if you are. Come and see what God can do. She said, age is just a number and your experiences make you who you are. Come and see what God can do. And it was in that moment, everything I thought disqualified me from this new experience of God disappeared. God took everything that I thought was a barrier for ministry and transformed it. He took everything that I thought made me unworthy or unqualified and transformed those things into gifts transformed them into reasons why I was uniquely qualified for the door that was open to me. For me to continue exploring this call that I thought was null and void. I was not unworthy. I was not unqualified. I was gifted. And I was empowered to step into a deeper experience of ministry, a deeper experience of God. Maybe that is the real story of Isaiah's call, not the moment of fear or the moment of yes, send me, but it is the moment of transformation that is found in between the two. The moment where the seraph touches the coal to Isaiah's lips. The moment where God took the very thing that Isaiah thought was a barrier, his lips, and transformed them into the very tool that God would use to speak to God's people for years and years to come. You see, 
Our God is and always has been a God of transformation. Our God longs to transform what we believe is a barrier into a unique gift so that we might be empowered to step through the doors that are open to us, to step into a deeper experience of all that God desires for us, to take that next step. But we have to trust. We have to trust that the very God who has opened the door of possibility can and will equip us for the work to which God has called us to. The amazing thing about this, my friends, is that it looks different for each and every one of us. It does not have to look like my journey. For me, it looked like a stepping through the doors of Memorial United Methodist Church. It looked like stepping through the doors of Duke Divinity School and through the doors of St. Luke United Methodist Church in Sanford, North Carolina, where I just moved from. And all of the various doors that I've stepped through over my entire journey that led me here to you, to this very moment. Maybe for you, it is accepting that promotion or joining one of the multitudes of Micah's servant volunteer teams that I'm only just learning about. Or maybe the next door, that next step for you and us on this journey of faith is one that we will walk through together, that we will discover together in this next chapter of our lives. Whatever it is, whatever door may be open to us, wherever it is God might be calling and leading us, we step forward in faith, trusting that it is our God who goes before us and it is our God who transforms us and equips us uniquely to say, here am I. Here am I. Send me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.